This is the First Gen Pilot Podcast, Episode 4. Starts now. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Holty. I'm a 757-767 captain for United, and uh, it's great to be here. What's going on, aviators? My name is Abraham, and I am your host. Today's episode, we have an exciting guest. You might know him as my layover life on social media. Paul is a big inspiration to the aviation community, including myself, with over 130,000 followers on Instagram and over 100K on YouTube, which is really exciting. Paul and I met at Minnesota Ace Camp a few weeks ago, and I remember being super excited, and I didn't even know what to say to him when I walked up to him. I've been following his social media for quite some time, and it was a surreal moment just when I saw him. He's a great guy. We ended up chatting and talking about aviation, social media. In this episode, we talk about Paul's journey into becoming a pilot. We also talk about how he was like being a pilot during 9-11 and how that affected his life and his career. Without further ado, let's get started. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, this is great. All right. So we'll just hop on. And the first question I always ask is, um, how did you get into aviation? Yeah, so I started, um, I was 13 and I went out to a small little grass strip near where I grew up. And my dad and I were just hanging out for the day. And uh, I got a ride in a small plane. It was a tow plane for gliders um, at the Stanton Airport. I don't know if you've been there or not, but it's a little grass strip just south of Minneapolis. Yeah, actually, I did buy a glider from there. Oh, you did? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got a ride in the tow plane. This is back in like, <laughs> this shows how old I am, but this is back in like, 1993 <laughs> so okay <laughs> uh, back when they were a little more uh, liberal with giving rides and tow planes um yeah so i got a ride and then uh so i was 13 then and then the next summer um my dad could see that i was really interested in learning how to fly and uh so i was getting really bad grades in school so he said for every a you get you get an hour of flying for every b you get a half hour so overnight i went from c's and d's to a's and b's and started taking lessons. Of course, when you're 14, you don't need to take, you know, four lessons a week or anything. So I was only doing maybe one lesson a month or one couple lessons a month. And uh, so I started working towards my private, got my private on my 17th birthday, and then uh, got my instrument rating shortly after my 18th birthday before I graduated high school. And, uh, um, and then I was off to college after that and on my way. But yeah, so I was very, very fortunate to have gotten my private and instrument in high school and a bunch of flight time and just hanging out at a grass strip with my dad. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, uh, you don't hear a lot of people getting all their, almost like their instrument in uh, high school there. Right. But yeah, that's pretty quick they did that. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to have parents that were super supportive and and uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, that always helps. And um, so are any of your parents or anyone in aviation when you got, you getting started in aviation? Nope. Uh, so I was like you, first gen <laughs> pilot. Um, okay. I, uh, I uh, know my dad was an eye doctor and uh, um, just encouraged me to do what I love, which, which I've learned is a great way to get your kids motivated to, for them to find something that they're interested in and do what they love to do. So I, uh, People ask, so I have two kids now, an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old, and people have asked, like, well, they, you know, do you want them to be pilots? And I mean, it'd be cool if one of them or both of them are pilots, but I really, I just want them to do what makes them happy and brings them joy and <laughs> purpose and, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, just kind of having them find their own path. and Right. All right. So what really sparked um, uh, your aviation career there? Like, I know you said it was that uh, that ride you got at Stanton. 
So would you say that was your first spark into aviation? You were like, I want to do this forever for the rest of my life. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I was still you know like a, I was in high school, middle school, high school. So I was <clears throat> I wasn't you know from the first moment I want to be an airline pilot. Um, you know, I still wavered. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a firefighter, like every little boy does. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. So. Uh, but once I got to college and started flying more and I knew, I knew for sure I wanted to fly for a living. Um, but it wasn't until, so when I was 19 and again, I, I was in the right place at the right time and met the right guy. Um, I started flying a Cessna Citation, um, uh, just sitting in the right seat, um, for this company in St. Cloud. And, uh, he's really what sparked me, sparked my interest towards, an airline career because even in college I wasn't full set I want to be an airline pilot it was I want to be a pilot for sure but I was going back and forth between oh I might want to be a corporate pilot or I might want to be a cargo pilot or you know um, and I started flying with this guy in the citation and he's like you want to be an airline pilot <laughs> you it's the most secure flying it's the easiest flying it's you know long term for your family like it's the best career job you can have so in the in the aviation industry so um and once i kind of set my mind towards being an airline pilot it um, it's all kind of fallen into place but it took me a while to get to that point of like i knew i wanted to fly but it, it took a while and i'm talking like till i was 20 and i had my all my flight ratings and everything before i even really decided like I want to be an airline pilot, not just a pilot. I want to be an airline pilot. So Right. So it was more of like a fun just getting it to become a pilot in the beginning rather than just I want to become an airline pilot. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. For sure. In high school, I wasn't I wasn't on the I want to be an airline pilot. I was for sure interested, obviously. Yep. But um, but it was more of a hobby. And like you know, basically that was like my sport. Instead of going to play football after school, I went out to the airport and pumped gas and flew airplanes and took lessons and that kind of stuff so yeah and then in college did you uh was it an aviation college or was it just your training did like apart from the college um no it was so i went to st cloud state um which at the time had an aviation um program and yeah so i got a degree in aviation and then and then flew alongside of that obviously so um yeah they don't have an aviation program anymore which is too bad but um yeah yeah I heard that they took it away after 9-11 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, uh, I think it was around 2010 that, that it went away. But Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then, um, so what's something that you would do differently with your journey to where you are right now? Um, I would, <laughs> so when I first started at a regional airline and I was making, you know, $18 an hour, which was not very much. I thought I was like big time, like I am a airline pilot. I can live wherever I want. And I didn't really budget my money very well. I got an apartment that was way out of my price range. And um, so I ended up living back with my parents shortly after that. And uh, so it, if I could have done anything differently at all, saving more money would have been, you know, <laughs> probably the number one thing. Yeah. Um, but um, flying wise, I don't know. I meeting the right people. Like I got a job working at an FBO in St. Paul and that was critical to like even getting a job at an airline, even though it was a corporate 
you know, FBO, um, I still met people in the airline industry and, and that's working there is almost how I got all of my flying jobs. So, um, I would say, I, I don't think I do anything differently, but I would encourage people to keep meeting people because, um, I don't know, it's, the industry is still based around people and knowing the right person can make or break getting a job that you want. So Yeah, definitely. It's all about networking. And like you said, um, yeah. like managing your money. Um, so like I know when people get like this big pay from like uh, going on airlines and now they're buying all these fancy things and yeah. like not being smart with their money. Do you see a lot of that in the, like the new people who come in into the airlines? Um, I see that a little bit, um, but I, I'm still kind of influenced by people who were um, kind of grew up and, you know, this job could be taken away at any moment. If there's another 9-11, you know, we might have to furlough a bunch of people and now everyone's at without a job and, 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 you know, hopefully that won't happen. Um, but I think there's always that concern, at least in the back of my head, having gone through 9-11 and seen people lose their jobs for years. Um, there's always that concern that, um, this could go away at any moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they always talk about how having like some sort of a backup plan, right? Um, with aviation, I know anything can go wrong. Like your medical can be taken away. Like anything can happen. Yeah. So always having like yeah. something backup, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've been very fortunate. I did get furloughed. I so I started with a regional airline called Pinnacle, which is now Endeavor. Um, so I worked for them. I started in the spring of two thousand one, right when I graduated from college, and. So 9-11 happened, obviously, in September that year, and I ended up getting furloughed, but I only got furloughed for a month. But it was just enough of a taste of, like, you know, I got a job working at the Mall of America at some retail store, and it was horrible. Not not because it was a horrible job, but because it wasn't flying airplanes. Right. And that that did kind of, like, put a, something in my brain where I was like, okay, this could go away at any moment. And like you said, it doesn't have to be 9-11. It, it could be just something with you. Like, you could have a medical problem or whatever, and now you're without, you can't work. And the world, the rest of the world's going on, but, like, you're stuck at home trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, COVID happened, and that was, like, on, like, Nobody knew that was going to happen either. And it just, right. Things like that can just happen. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it, it's for sure good to have a backup plan. I, I would, I'm, you know, willing to say that I don't really have a backup plan. Um, and so far it's worked out okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, having a career as, you know, a real estate agent or, or whatever is definitely not a bad bad idea yeah definitely and then let's talk a little bit about 9-11 so you said it, it affected you by like losing like getting furloughed and stuff yeah um how else was how like what was that experience like like something like that happening out of nowhere yeah it was um you know it was, it was pretty surreal and i yeah i, I was flying on 9-11 and I, I wrote an article for the minneapolis um newspaper and I, I talked about in on the, this is I wrote it on the ten year anniversary, um, but I talked about how like I was flying on nine eleven and landing in Minneapolis like right as it happened, and you know flying over school buses near Lake Nokomis or or whatever, and 
10 years later, now those kids that were on the school bus may have gone to fight off in the war and maybe never made it home or now they're in the, you know, they're still in the military or, and sacrificed huge for our country or whatever. So, um, I don't know. I, I think from a, just a personal perspective, 9-11 gave me a great appreciation for our military and the people that serve our country. And, um, from an airline perspective, I mean, it, it gave me that, okay, this could go away at any point. Um, and this, not only is this job very kind of fragile, it doesn't, doesn't seem fragile right now in the state of the industry, but at the time it did. And, but then also that life is very fragile, you know, like these are, you know, thousands of people have lost their lives. And, and, uh, so I don't know. I, I've never really, <laughs> never really thought about this before, but I think it gave me a kind of a perspective of like just saying yes to doing fun things, like going, you know, I used to believe it or not, like when I was in college, if someone would invite me to a party or a camping trip or whatever, I, my immediate response was no, no, I'm not going. I, I don't want to go. I don't like camping. I don't, I don't know those people. I don't want to go. And I feel like as I've gotten older, post 9-11 and more adventurous in my life and career, I'm like, yeah, sounds awesome. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to have a great story at the end of it. And it's probably going to be fun. So, or it's going to be horrible and it'll be a better story, you know, like, um, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just living in the moment. Yeah. I've never really thought about that till now, but I, I feel, I do feel like 9-11 gave me more of a get out there and live life attitude yeah definitely i agree well you're asking some some deep questions <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i don't know i haven't i haven't had anyone on the podcast about talk about 9-11 you mentioned it and i was like that... <laughs> I, i'm the oldest person you've had <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i wasn't even alive at that time yet but yeah, it's kind of you hear stories <laughs> yeah no that's cool that's yeah that's awesome <laughs> all right <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, so what's something you wish you knew before getting into aviation? Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I, being flexible is like a huge part of it. And I feel like it's easy to be like, okay, well, I'm going to get my private on this day. And then I'm going to do my instrument. It's going to take me a month and a half to do that. And then I'm going to get my commercial and it's going to take me two months to do that or whatever. I feel like especially learning how to fly in Minnesota, like doesn't, there's weather and there's, you know, <laughs> things happen and life happens and airplanes don't always work or, or whatever. Like it, it gives you a, it kind of forces you to be more flexible, Yeah. which I think is great in life because life doesn't always work out how you think you're going to get married when you're 23 and then you're going to have a career and you're going to have kids and like it doesn't always happen that way and and that's okay you know it doesn't have to happen that way um so i don't know that that really answers your question but i feel like it's given me a attitude of being flexible and and that's true in aviation but it's also true in just regular life so um if you go into it thinking everything's going to work out and I'm going to be at a major airline in five years or two years or whatever, it might not work out that way. 
and that's okay. You know, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't have to. Um, so just, um, I guess it's given me a attitude of being flexible. Okay. Which maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't have before. Yeah. So like being flexible with your journey, like everybody has their own journey, not comparing yourself, just having your own thing. Right. Like I know someone got their yeah. job at 23, an airline job at 23. That doesn't mean that's going to be the same for you. So just right. R- like just uh, having fun, enjoying the, r- the ride and the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And that's come, you know, that's been true in our life. Like my wife and I both do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and it's, you know, there's someone who started after I did, who's now way better at jujitsu than I am in a higher ranked belt and all that stuff. And that's because he's there four days a week and I'm there sometimes never, or sometimes one day a week, sometimes three days a week. And, and he's just able to train more than I am. And he's a different spot in life. But, um, so it, it's definitely given me, you know, aviation has given me a be flexible attitude, but also like it's your journey. It doesn't have to go like everybody else's journey does. And, and that's, and that still helps me to this day, like with my jujitsu journey, you know, I'm not progressing as fast as everybody else's and that's okay too. You know, (laughs) it's, it's not their journey. So. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And then, um, have you had any experiences like, uh, with, with like an airplane without like throughout your training, have you ever scared yourself in the airplane or anything like that? Um, yeah, I, I would say that the most, I don't know that I was necessarily scared, but, um, there was a time this was working at United. We took off in a 757 going from Newark to San Francisco and about 20 minutes after takeoff, um, the flight attendants reported smoke coming out of one of the lavatories and and they couldn't figure out like where the smoke was coming from they didn't see fire but they but there's still smoke coming out to the point where they're giving passengers you know like wet washcloths to breathe through in that area um so to me that fire on the airplane like it's pretty scary because it can get out of hand really really fast um so we turned around we got on the ground within 20 minutes and and there never was a fire. It was some light in the lavatory that was causing smoke. But um, so to me, that was like one of the more scary moments in my career was potential fire, you know, because <laughs> um, if you read at all about airplane fires, like once they start, like it's okay. pretty unmanageable if it gets out of out of hand so yeah and how how's that like that experience like for the pilots and for the crew um how do you guys deal with that like all the way to the ground where and the firefighters and all that arrive like what's that process for that yeah um when you're dealing with the situation itself like you're you're just kind of not going through the motions but you're dealing just with the problem like you're given a problem find the solution the solution for this was um we had air marshals on board that kind of broke their cover and were helping try to find where the fire was and they everyone had fire extinguishers and flight tents were getting you know washcloths to passengers and and meanwhile we're talking to dispatch and talking to air traffic control and into the flight attendants and trying to figure out exactly what's how serious it is and um just coordinating our return to the airport um and i, I feel like after that event um, generally whenever you have an event of any magnitude, like an engine failure or something that, you know, could be on the news, basically, you don't go flying again. Um, this 
I don't think was quite to that magnitude. Um, but the flight attendants, I think, were taken off the trip because they were maybe not necessarily more traumatized, but they were more involved with the actual, you know, like for us, there wasn't smoke in the cockpit. There wasn't, it was just a return to the airport pretty quickly. So it never, was never really scary from a, there's smoke coming into the cockpit type scenario. You know, it was, it was, we need to get on the ground quickly, but there's nothing like directly affecting that in like our peripheral or whatever. Whereas the flight tents were dealing with passengers who are maybe crying or there's smoke everywhere and it's scary. And um, so I think all the flight tents were taken off the trip. Um, my sort of gauge, I'm a pretty emotional person. And it, I've found that when I tell someone what's going on, like, um, like recently a friend of mine passed away. I found out on a trip and I called crew scheduling. Oh yeah, thanks man. And I called crew scheduling. And that was the first time I ever had to tell someone my friend had passed away. And I couldn't even get the words out. I was just bawling. And to me, that was a sign of like, okay, you can't go on this trip. Like you can't work a flight in 30 minutes and be okay, you know, and <laughs> make good yeah. decisions. Um, right. So that's kind of my gauge is like, am I okay to fly? Is can I call my wife? and tell her what happened without crying. <laughs> yeah, at that point you're, you're looking at, and, I'm safe checklist, kind of. Right, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's what happened. I, the, the, the company asked, like, if you guys want to continue, you can, but you don't, you're not obligated to. So I said, look, give me an hour to cool down and talk to some people. And um, so I sat down with the guy I was flying with, and we talked about it, and, and uh, I said, let me, let me call my wife and I'll see how that goes. And I called her and told her what happened and didn't start crying. And I was like, all right, well, I feel pretty good about this. So I'm going to keep going. But um, so anyway, um, yeah, so that's, but it, you know, everyone handles emergencies differently. Like you have different reactions to how things could have gone or how things did go and and uh, I feel like you do have to take that in, into consideration if you're going to continue on or not. And, and, and it's, especially at a company like United, you know, that if you don't feel like you're safe to go, especially after an incident, like you're not going to go. And that there's, that's not, that's not really a problem. So. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where you can't really have an experience. Like you have to experience it for you to know how things are going to turn out. Right. Yeah. And you, you don't really know how you're going to react necessarily. I mean, you can do engine failures in the simulator all day long, <clears throat> but until you're doing one in real life, like you'll probably fly the airplane. Great. Yep. But until you experience it in real life and see the fire trucks and see the engines blown up or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you don't really know, you don't really know how you're going to react to that every scenario. Exactly. Yeah, and then um, so let's talk a little bit about Ace Camp. Um, I know me, that's where me and you met uh, a yeah. few weeks ago, and yeah, how did you get into that? Um, so uh, Katrina, who's one of the counselors and one of the I think the founders of Ace Camp, um, she and I met through Instagram, but we both worked for United, obviously, and uh, mm -hmm. she saw that I had posted a video about Stanton, and they obviously had one of their days there. Um, as part of the camp every year 
Um, so she contacted me to ask, I forget what the question was, but, um, and then we started communicating and became friends and, and, uh, and then last, I helped out with a video. The first year I helped out was two summers ago, um, which was just a day camp because we they were kind of coming out of COVID and, and, uh, so they were just doing day camps. And then last year I helped out for a full week and created uh, kind of a recap video and then I'm still supposed to be working on a uh, like a promo video for them that um, is still forthcoming um, but yeah so uh, I wasn't really able to help out too much this year but um, it was fun to stop by for a few minutes and but it's a great camp I, I, I wish there was something like that when I was in high school and and uh, yeah it's a it's a great opportunity for kids who are have any sort of interest in any part of aviation to go to go check it out so yeah it, they definitely give you like the whole backgrounds of uh, aviation yeah um i went there uh, last year and um i was kind of um attached to going uh, the part six to one route and meeting some people there in the aviation colleges there as well and that kind of made the decision for me to go to aviation college and get my degree and stuff so yeah they were definitely a big part of that yeah that's awesome yeah and then uh do you have any tips for someone who's getting into this aviation industry or um they're already pursuing it yeah um you know i would say that kind of like we talked about before be flexible like you can go into it with if you're in some like an accelerated program where you're going to do everything in a year and then get on like start flight instructing and then go to a regional or whatever. Like just be flexible. Like it might not work out like that. Um, and just be patient and enjoy, you know, every day you get to go flying. It's like awesome. Cause you're flying an airplane. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. So like enjoy all those little moments and not to sound cliche, but like enjoy the journey. Cause like, you know, I really enjoyed learning how to fly and getting my instrument rating and just, being a little bit better every single day. And I kind of take that even like we talked about before, like with jujitsu, like I don't, I'm not going to be a black belt overnight. It's going to take probably 20 years or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and that's okay too. Like, I, you know, if it takes me 20 years to get my black belt, that's okay. But I'm learning a little bit every day and getting a little bit better. And, you know, you don't, so if you're going into aviation, don't feel like you need to, learn everything overnight. There's going to be a lot to learn, um, but just take it one step at a time and, you know, the process and, I don't know, enjoy the journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree with those tips. Uh, great tips there. All right. Um, so we'll finish the last question here is um, your account, uh, my labor account on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, so how did that get started? Like, what's the whole idea behind that? Yeah, so when I started that, um, like my layover life on Instagram. I, I started that because I was doing all these really cool layovers in Europe and, and I was posting them on, I have another Instagram account that's private. Um, so I was posting them on that along with like my family stuff and it started to sound a little bit too maybe braggy, you know, like, yeah, hey, I'm in Naples and now I'm in Venice and now I'm in Rome and now I'm in wherever. <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? Like it just sounded... Yeah too much. I, I was like, maybe I'm just going to start a different account just for layover stuff. So I did that. Um, and, and none of it was ever really United related. It was just what I'm doing on layovers. Um, and then I started my YouTube channel and the, the initial purpose of the YouTube channel was I like to do fun things on layovers. And so I'm going to make a video in Lisbon and 
here's what I did on a layover, layover in Lisbon. And it was kind of intended for other crew members to be able to find and be like, oh, well, I'm in Lisbon, so let's see what Paul did in Lisbon. And that never really took off because it was essentially just travel videos. And there's a lot of travel videos on YouTube, especially. So, um, so about a year and a half ago, I made a video. So a year and a half ago, I had less than a thousand subscribers on YouTube and I made a, I made a video and it was, you know, a week in the life of an airline pilot. And I recorded more stuff at work and, um, just tried to show like what a, just like a behind the scenes look at a normal operation looks like. And that video kind of took off. And then, and you know, I think that video has almost a million views today, which is crazy. Yeah. You just need that one video to take off and you're already out there. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I started getting a lot of subscribers and that's kind of when I realized like, oh, and I, most of my followers aren't necessarily United crew members. They're just people who are interested in aviation and, um, or maybe, and now I've seen a lot of people who are coming to United, especially people coming from like the military or a corporate flight department where they don't really know how airline life works. And so they've gotten tidbits from my videos about that. So, um, I still like my passion is like doing fun things on layovers and like yeah. doc documenting that. Like that's what I like to do. Cause right. you know, it's work for me, you know, it's like, it's fun, but it's not like, what I want to do videos about, but it is, it has been fun to like create, like figure out like this week, I'm going to record a video about bidding and, but then also do some adventure along the way. So, yeah. So I, uh, um, once I figured out that like people want to see behind the scenes airline stuff along with travel stuff, um, I don't know, it's just it's kind of blossomed into a, a big thing and it's not a big thing, but it, a, something I am passionate about. And it's been fun. I, I really, Really enjoy doing it. I get to meet a lot of cool people now, like you, and and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So it's been great. Yeah, it's definitely about having fun. I know some people like who are pilots. They just want to work and get the money and just go back home. You know, just yeah, making a lot of money. But there are also people who like just love this aviation, just flying, going to these cool places, and just traveling. It's just yeah, it's a whole different world. Yeah, it really is. And like you know, we get to do stuff that like I said this on my one of my videos. I was in Hawaii and doing a cool hike in the morning and like people are coming out here for like once in a literally once in a lifetime trips like they've saved up for years to take this trip and for us it's just a tuesday you know and we're in hawaii and like yeah. and then we're going back home on wednesday and we're gonna go to our kids baseball game or whatever but like for most people this is a once in a lifetime trip and you get to do it every week and um i think it's important to not take that for granted yeah definitely and then so what type of flying do you do with united right now yeah so i'm so i fly the 757 and 767 and i uh so it's it's a good combination of domestic and european flying mostly europeans there's some south america like lima um i don't know if we go to sao paulo anymore i think that's on a different airplane but um so I do a lot of like transcons, so like San Francisco, Los Angeles, and then some Hawaii, um, but primarily Europe. So um, a lot of London, London's pretty junior. I'm a junior, pretty junior captain. So London's pretty junior and I'm based in Newark. So, um, but this week I'm going to Naples. Next week I go to Stockholm, which is pretty fun. 
Um, yeah. So I'm going to do some cool flying. Yeah. Do you have a favorite city? Um, it used to be Lisbon. Um, and I've been to Lisbon, Portugal about a hundred times. So I, I've got friends that live there and, you know, I know all the great restaurants to go to and what beaches to go to. And, um, but I'm starting to really like Porto, Portugal. Um, that's pretty great. But Rome, you can't go wrong with Rome. That's on a different airplane right now, but, um, anything in Italy is not going to be disappointing. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I don't, you probably know him, but Donnie, uh, he owns a, the DG pilot. Yeah. 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 Store. Yeah. 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 So he was telling me about a guy who's, uh, based off JFK, but he lives off in uh, like a different country, like Paris or something. So he would fly to work down to the, the States. He just has a whole house down there just chilling. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's super yeah. cool. <laughs> All right, so um, we'll end this with uh, Would You Rather game. And so I'll just give you a couple options and you just pick one from them. Okay, okay, let's do it. All right, so the first one is Would You Rather Fly General Aviation or Commercial? Uh, commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You straight out, commercial. Are you, are, you, are you talking about, like, if I'm going somewhere on vacation, do I want to sit in a Gulfstream or a Boeing? Or are you talking about, like, flying airplanes, like a Cessna versus... Yeah, just, like, if you were, if you were to go to, like, Florida or something, and would you rather just fly low and slow or, like, just take the commercial flight fast there? Oh, I see. Yeah, I got you. Um, I don't know. I, I think it would be fun to fly low and slow. If, But I feel like that's, that's your trip, then, is, like, Part of the trip is flying, and right. I guess because I fly for work, I'd rather hop in a commercial plane and get to Florida and get to the beach as quickly <laughs> as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's respectable there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next question will be, uh, would you rather fly over beaches or mountains? Um, beaches. Okay. I I mean, I, I think mountains are awesome. I, I, mountains are really beautiful, um, I, although... A couple of friends of mine were killed in a plane crash in the mountains a few years ago. And so I'm a little like if I'm in a small airplane, I yep. beaches for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If I'm in an airliner, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm good with mountains. But, um, and actually flying over Greenland is one of the coolest ranges of mountains that and they're not super high. They're, they're like 14,000 feet, but, um, but man, it's just like glaciers and just isolated places that nobody's ever been to. And so I do like flying over mountains if I have two jet engines <laughs> yeah. aren't aren't probably going to fail. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like flying over the Atlantic, is that pretty scary or like how's that feeling just flying over the just large ocean? It's no, it's not scary. Because, it, um, you know, we're the planes... And the way we run fuel and everything is like you're designed to be able to lose an engine at the most critical point, lose an engine and pressurization and have to use the anti-ice and go down to 10,000 feet and go to the nearest airport, which could be three hours away. Um, so, you know, provided you don't lose both engines, like there's really you can lose a lot of things and it's still going to be OK. So, um no, I, I wouldn't say it's scary. Yeah, so there's a lot of safety that went behind like it's, just the yeah, whole aviation thing. And, right. Yeah, the airplanes and stuff. It's more boring than scary. <laughs> <laughs> right. If it's scary, things are going really wrong. <laughs> All right, so um, would you rather fly Airbus or Boeing? Um, 
I mean, I've only ever flown Boeing, so I'm going <laughs> to stick with that. Uh, <laughs> All right. I do like, you know, maybe I'm just old school. Like my, my car still has crank windows. It's a, like, it's a Jeep. Okay. But, but it like legit has crank windows and like, <laughs> I don't like cars that keep you in the lane or like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I don't like, yeah, I don't like headlights that come on automatically. It's like, I just want to be in charge of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like if you trust me to drive through a school zone, I should be able to figure out the headlights, you know, like, and I kind of feel <laughs> the same way with airplanes. Like I don't need the airplane to tell me that I'm banking too much right. or, yeah. or whatever. I, I I don't know. Maybe that's old school thinking. Yeah. I just, but I like to be able to like know that I'm flying the airplane and not a computer. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then would you rather fly IFR or VFR? From like a general aviation perspective, like, uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, or even in, in the airlines. Um, from a safety perspective, IFR, I guess. Um, IFR and BMC. <laughs> okay. How's that? Yeah, so you can just look outside, but you still have your center and approach everyone. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, IFR definitely gives you that little extra uh, safety with just having tower there. Yeah, for sure. All right. So the last question here: um, Would you rather uh, have a layover in a cold city or a warm city? Um, well, seeing that I live in Minnesota, I'm going to say a warm city. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> I get enough cold in my life. To, <laughs> I don't need any more. I don't need a cold layover. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, That's... I'm going to say a warm city. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah, in Minnesota, you don't get a lot of warmth. Right. It's just cold, freezing winters. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so that's it for this episode. And thank you so much for stopping by and taking the time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This has been great. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Yep. Take care. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you follow My Layover Life on Instagram and subscribe to his YouTube channel as well at My Layover Life. Also, make sure you follow me on Instagram at firstgenpilot. That's one sd dot g-e-n dot pilot. Also, make sure you follow and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as First Gen Pilot. I really appreciate you leaving the reviews on there. Just gives me a, a feedback of how I'm doing on this podcast and what I need to do better. Um, So just make sure you drop a comment and what you're thinking. Until next time, keep the blue side up. We'll see you.